I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Serie A fan. The Scudetto squad is back at full strength, if not full sobriety, as we gear up for the demolition derby. Can Milan keep the league form rolling? willing to blow them up. We give you our thoughts and predictions, plus our reactions to one of our faves joining up with one of our own in North London, along with all the usual accompaniments and an unusual amount of beer on this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome to Scudetto. It's, uh, it's great to be back. There's been much speculation about my whereabouts over the past few weeks on this podcast and uh, I'm happy to inform you that my European tour has now come to an end at least for now took me through seven countries and ended last night in north london at white hart lane where i um attended antonio conte's debut as spurs manager which i'm sure we'll be getting into later in the podcast but first of all let's let's catch up with the squad kenny it's uh it's good to see you via camera again how are you getting on yeah I'm, I'm good i'm good oscar can i just say it's so good to have you back it's uh, yeah, a lot tougher in that that hot seat than a lot, a lot of people might might imagine, and I'm looking forward to your seamless transitions from one topic to the other as Boz and I inevitably blab on for for too long. But I've been good. Yes, how was how was your journey? Yeah, it was um, it was a good journey. I I've struggled to be to watch much football. I have to confess, just at the top of the pod. Um, because I haven't really, I've not really had a lot of screen time in general, and hopefully not if you've been driving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, it's it's been nice. It's uh, and it's it's good to be back, and it was especially good to be back at a live football match for the first time, really, or a top, the first time I've been at a top flight football match since the start of the pandemic. So um, yeah, looking forward to to chatting to you guys about and catching up on what's been going on in Syria. Boaz, how about you? How are you getting on? I'm doing well, thanks. I uh, find it a bit suspicious that uh, you disappeared just as Roma were um, collapsing on themselves and Spurs were also doing pretty bad and you, you show up again with uh, Conte at the helm. So uh, I, I'm not sure if you had something to do with that or if you knew, but yeah. I can neither confirm nor deny um, <laughs> any details of the stops on my trips or the people I may or may not have met with in Belgium. Apparently, Lukaku has always had a Jurgen Klinsmann shirt on his uh, Jurgen Klinsmann poster <laughs> on his wall, so he's, he'll be happy to go to Spurs. Yeah, well, we'll have to wait and see what happens with that one. Um, but yeah, I forgot to do beers just then. So, Kenny, um, you kick us off. What have you got to drink this evening? I have a pale armadillo, which I believe I've had on this podcast in the past. A is yeah, session IPA. Uh, it's it's one of the one of the good ones, one of the good new ones that the podcast has introduced me to. Lovely. Um, I haven't got a beer right this second, but I have very recently been in a pub in the uh, great English countryside with my brother, and I was drinking. Uh, it was I think a dry hop type, dry hop type, no, a dry hop lager from Adnams, which was pretty delicious, I have to say. And uh, maybe I'll get back for another pint after we finish recording. Uh, Boaz, what have you got? I bought this uh, because of the can. It's called a Hop Opera. And um, now that I'm looking at it a little bit closer, it says that it's a 9%. So it's going to be interesting. But uh, yeah, I'll keep you updated. Imperial New, Imperial New England style Indian Pale Ale. Another one of these uh, thesaurus-led uh, beards. <laughs> thesaurus. So you guys both telling me that you're going to be absolutely sloshed by the end of this uh, episode. That is why we do this, isn't it? I'm sloshed by the start of it, so <laughs> I shouldn't imagine there'll be much change, though. Yeah, so let's let's get into the meat of it, and we have to start off with uh, the Milan derby, really, don't we, Boaz? Let's, let's start off looking at it from a, a, a Milan perspective. Obviously, 
um, a good win versus Roma last weekend. I haven't, I, I mean, obviously read some analysis of it. I have to say I didn't get to catch that one myself. We were, we were still driving at the time. But then a bit of a disappointing result for you guys midweek. So what's the kind of mood uh, ahead, ahead of the derby? So the Roma performance was uh, quite positive. Uh, for 60 minutes, Milan dominated the, the match and created a lot of chances. And then once Teo Hernandez got himself sent off, Milan did pretty well to defend. Roma probably are right to recriminate against a potential uh, penalty episode in the 94th minute on Pellegrini. On that night, the luck played uh, in, in favor of Milan. And in Europe, the luck was probably against Milan because uh, Porto's goal was uh, heavily influenced by an incorrect ref decision in my mind. But in any case, uh, Milan actually did show up for at least the second half against Porto. Uh, having not played for the the previous 45 minutes and also having struggled quite badly in the game in Portugal. So I think um, to answer your question, the the mood in, in the Milan camp is pretty good before the derby, but it could have been better if it had been cemented with a uh, vital uh, European win that has been missing for a long time now. Yeah, um, and, and we'll uh, talk a little bit more about the, the, the derby in a second, but just while we're on it, and I don't want to sidetrack us too much, but we have to just mention the ridiculous uh, interview that Mourinho gave after the 2-2 the draw with uh, Bodo Glimt, previously referred to as a Lord of the Rings team by, by some people on this podcast. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is just absolutely classic second or even third season Mourinho coming out after a matter of weeks at Roma, really, isn't it? Mourinho's wrath began in the aforementioned uh, Milan game where, as I said, there was a, a few decisions that possibly went against Roma and in general the refereeing wasn't great. The match was very stop-start. But uh, he he was quite uh, good at deflecting then, saying, look, if I say what I really think, I, I won't be sat on the bench. But clearly in uh, this Thursday game, he, he no longer had uh, that, that worry. Maybe he doesn't care about <laughs> being banned from a game in the Conference League. But he basically called the, the Greek ref an, an amateur and said that he, he's now going to go back to his uh, own league and have a good time or something like that. As you said, this is a copy-paste Mourinho from uh, previous seasons. It's just strange that it's happened so early. And uh, as a very slight aside, this game, the roma Bodeglim game, obviously had no VAR. And, and we saw the yeah. result. Um, people are always complaining about VAR and it's it's quite fashionable to do so, but... I don't see a, I don't see anyone going back to the way it was previously because you see what happened. Yes. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk about it briefly a little bit later, but I hadn't realized there was no VAR in the Conference League until I was in the stadium mm. and shouting, where's the VAR? Sitting right in front of the press box and all the journalists just looking at me like, there's no <laughs> VAR here, mate. <laughs> um, you should have said it in a, in a vaguely Nordic accent so that they would have said, oh, it's just a... Just a foreign tourist, he doesn't know, but instead, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a foreign exactly. tourist coming here to watch the farmer Europa Farmers League, UFA Farmers League. And... Yeah, what a disappointing trip if one was a tourist. Um, no, but anyway, um, so Inter on their uh, European, European adventure this week, uh, they did get the job done versus Sheriff and looks very much. Like they're going to qualify. Um, what do we make of of Inter's chances in this? They've uh, should should be should be fairly confident. Obviously, they they won this fixture last time round, Boaz three um, nil in a in a game which was pretty decisive in the title race. Yeah, I was going to come on to it. I just I should say that um, Inter beating Sheriff is uh, is something that it's should happen. It's the Sheriff are really not that strong aside, but of course. Sheriff did beat Real Madrid, and so for Inter to show up and get the six points against them was very important. And also, um, I felt I feel that Inzaghi was able to rotate his squad a little bit, both in this game and in the in the weekend game. And so we saw a lot of Vidal, for example, who maybe hasn't featured as much, and also Alexis Sanchez got on the score sheet. Having said that, I don't think we'll see these guys in the derby. I think that, unfortunately, it's hard for me to say, but I think Inter are slight favorites for this one. Firstly, they are the reigning champions, but also they have a. I think their their individual players are better than the, the Milan squad, whereas the Milan squad probably has more options. I think this will be the derby of uh, Chalianoglu, who obviously is uh, 
is persona non grata at Milanello. <laughs> and uh, I, th- I think he, it, it, a lot will be determined by how well he does or doesn't do. We'll see, we'll see him a lot on the ball and let's see what happens. I, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm not that worried about him specifically, but I may have to eat the, my words after. I was going to say, at first, yeah. I don't think you should be too worried based on your previous comments on this podcast. <laughs> um, but it, it's definitely, it, I mean, it, it come, for a neutral, it comes at a really exciting time, right, Kenny? I mean, this is yeah. really could be very decisive, certainly for the, the crowning of the winter champions, if not the Scudetto. Yeah, well, I mean, I uh, I think last week I asked Boaz whether it was time to, to say that Juventus's uh, title aspirations were over. I think now, after the latest instalment, they are now find themselves in a position from, from which no one has gone on to win Serie A. So Boaz mentioned that when they were 13 points behind, that was where they were when they won the league a few seasons ago. Um, now they're further behind than that and no one has ever won the league from that position. So Juventus, we can count out of it. Inter are probably the only contenders really to Milan and Napoli. And this game has absolutely huge, uh, huge implications because they could find themselves too far behind afterwards. I think the the stakes are higher for, for Inter than they are for, for Milan. But also kind of interestingly, I think when Juventus got that late equalizer at Inter, that, what you would expect to happen there is that it would be a turning point for Juventus and a real blow to, to Inter. And the exact opposite has kind of proved to, to be the case in the league anyway. Juventus have have got no points since that. So in their last three games, they've only picked up one point, which is astonishing. But Inter, on the other hand, have gone on to beat Empoli, a very decent Empoli side uh, away from home. Uh, they've gone on to beat Udinese, who I always say is not an easy game. And obviously they won the, the, the Champions League game as well. So I can see why Boaz has Inter as slight favourites. I think this one is too close to call, if, I, if I'm honest. Uh, you've, like form goes out the window really in these situations and I think that what Milan have shown throughout all of their injury problems is that there is a there is a team element to this Milan that has been developing under Pioli but I think we're seeing it this season that even when the protagonists are out um, they're able to, to find those results in Serie A uh, Europe obviously a different story uh, I'm not bold enough to make a prediction either way on this, but an absolutely huge game in terms of the Scudetto race already so early on in the season. But I really think if Inter lose this, then I think it's a two-horse race from here on in. And you were right to bring on bring up the match from last season because in February, obviously, Milan were still leading the Serie A and uh, Inter went on to win the derby and went on an incredible run and eventually won the league, of course. But uh, as opposed to uh, Milan back then, who kind of struggled and lost points and also lost to Spezia, Milan come into this game with an incredible form. Um, as, we, as Kenny said, there is a great depth and a lot of resources. And as I mentioned, at least the first 60 minutes when it was 11 v 11, Milan didn't show Roma any of the ball and they were creating chance upon chance. So it's, I think it's a good time for this derby to come around. Teo Hernandez will be severely missed. Um, it's a shame he got that uh, second booking. and uh, Ridiculous we'll, second booking, yeah. Yeah, which also, if we're talking about refereeing errors, also came after a foul from a Roma player. Again, I, I, that wasn't whistled, sorry. So again, the, the refereeing uh, decisions are impacting all teams and maybe we need VAR f- for more occasions rather than fewer occasions. I, just on, uh, I don't know if we're coming back to Mourinho later, but I did want to say that I forgot to mention it, but it's particularly petulant of Mourinho to, when he has a 20 million euro striker in Shomorodov on the bench to throw on this guy Felix, who is like a 17-year-old from the Primavera. He's thrown him on against Milan. He's, he's, this is his new project. So it, it's more, uh, it's, I, I don't know what's going on there, honestly. It's, it seems like it's already out of control. Yeah. Definitely does seem that way. Um, and just, it, Kenny, if you're going to sit on the bench, I think I'll lean towards Milan for this one, uh, just to balance things out. And and the reason that I'll give is, although we were talking about this, uh, the 
corresponding fixture from last season being the January one. Actually, they're, they're switched over. So the, the one in which uh, Milan were the home team, actually they won last season and that was before Christmas as well. Yeah, and the fans actually make a difference this time because there are actually fans in the in the stadium. So there is actually uh, an actual home advantage. I hate to say it, Baz, but it, it does seem like Milan in recent seasons have started the season a lot stronger. So whether they go on to, to maintain this form throughout the second half of the season yet to be seen but i do definitely back them in this game don't no, no no reason to hate to say it it's it's fine <laughs> <laughs> okay buzz loves to hear you say it. he loves it okay so yeah definitely looking forward to that one uh is, is on the, the sunday evening i'm so nervous we should uh kenny you mentioned before uh about juventus um and, and we should touch yeah. touch briefly on their week uh continuing their pattern of quite strong form in the champions league uh while losing points in the league that you'd really expect them to pick up uh what what did you make of the i know you watched both games what did you kind of make of the performances uh what the the striking thing for me is how much better they were in in europe and i guess you you could say that the you know, you could call into question the the opposition, but when you look at the 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 wage budgets, the the results in Europe should be the ones where they're actually uh, struggling. I mean, the, the points that they've dropped in the last couple of weeks. I mean, losing to Sassuolo, losing to to Verona, uh, and Juve's wage budget absolutely dwarfs those. Uh, has to be said first off the bat about the Verona game that Verona were absolutely excellent and uh, I, I'm not gonna not gonna preempt one of Boaz's uh, honourables but there's a, a real rejuvenation going on there uh, I think we all worried for Verona really when uh, when Juric left but obviously there's been the the managerial change that's happened partway through the season which often doesn't work which definitely has done for them. The one positive for Juve is Dybala for me. Uh, I mean, uh, Dybala is really coming back to his own. Even in that game against Verona in the first half when Juve were absolutely awful, just turgid stuff, uh, Dybala, you can see, is absolutely on it. Uh, he He's back. Uh, and that is something that they can build on. And the other thing as well is um, Chiesa uh, coming back. Um, so they were very, very good in midweek in the in the Champions League. I mean, the the final result says four two, but I mean they were four one up until the the dying moments of that game. And the only reason that they conceded a goal is because of because uh, Bonucci got his head in in the way of a a, a cross that a speculative cross that ended up sort of looping over Chesney. So, I mean, yeah, they were great in midweek. Dybala is looking great. Federico Chiesa's come back. And I I think that Allegri might have started to stumble upon some sort of a system, at least up front. At the back, things are still a bit chaotic. Um, but he might have stumbled across uh, a sort of system up front, which works. I mean, on paper, it's a 4-4-2. But what we're actually seeing really is that in advanced positions, it's almost like there's a three, right? There's Morata in the middle and Dybala, who supposedly is the second striker, is playing more as sort of a an inside forward, a trequartista, but over to the right and Chiesa cutting in. And I think you have to say that that's kind of a, a fearsome three, to be honest. I think another positive to take for them now, and it's kind of a silver lining, is that the pressure is absolutely off. I mean, Allegri, yes, he has to qualify for the Champions League, but that is not out of reach by any means now. Uh, I think they can forget about the, the Scudetto uh, and... I think they can, the kind of shackles can come off, to be honest. And yeah. I think if, if they play with that system, with Chiesa cutting in, he was an absolute menace in, in midweek. Um, and Dybala, back to his best. You have to say that perhaps not for Milan and Napoli, but for Inter, Atalanta, Roma, Lazio, do not write Juve off because I don't think that, I, I, I think we're at a, I think we are actually at a turning point here. I think what we saw in midweek, and even we saw glimpses of it in the second half of that um, game against Verona, is things beginning to turn around for them. Yeah. And with that said, um, so does Vinny Italian have something to worry about? Do we 
do we predict them as favourites for the weekend to get in their clash with Fiorentina? Well, having said all of that, Fiorentina is the absolute nightmare uh, solution for them to, you know, team for them to be coming up against because everyone expects, you know, Juve are the favourites, but uh, Fiorentina were early on in the season anyway, uh, the sort of form side or the, the surprise package. The Fiorentina do have a problem though in the their only striking option is Vlaovic. Uh, Gonzalez is out with COVID. Uh, I think people are expecting Juve to drop points here. I think Juve are going to win this one. Mm. You have to say, and it, it's ironic in a way, that this is the sort of game that you, you would kind of rely on Ronaldo to to nick a couple of goals and win for them. Um, mm. It seems like Juventus have really been missing him, which is, is ironic because obviously what they brought him in to do was do better in the Champions League, which they seem to be doing without yeah. him. This is... Probably the point where um, where Juventus bid farewell to the league title or the least to their their dreams of a tenth scudetto last season when uh, Fiorentina beat them three 0 at the stadium. Now I think that uh, although we've all been going on about Vini Italian and how pretty on the eye Fiorentina are, in on the actual results have not been phenomenal and uh, they seem to be they could seem to concede a lot of uh, chances to the opposition. So uh, what better time to meet them for Juventus when they desperately need goals? And just going back to that Champions League game, yes, it it was a good performance. And uh, yes, uh, they did get four goals, which is quite atypical for an LAG side. But uh, lads, it's Zenit St. Petersburg. And also they, they've scored, they, got, they conceded two goals against Zenit, which, I mean, every goal has its own story. But yeah. I, I'd be a little bit worried by that if I were a Juventus fan. I would hazard a guess that Zenit and St. Petersburg have a larger wage budget than Verona or Sassuolo, though, is is all I'm saying. Atalanta as well? Uh, I mean, possibly. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, just, I'm just firing uh, That's one for off us the to hip check. here. But, but it's, one for it's, us to it speculate. would be interesting to see, yeah. Sorry, Kenny, that was just one of my... Uh legendary segues into our next talking point um, oh right okay <laughs> because uh I, I just thought it was important that we talked about atlanta versus united i've been reading a little bit about this game and, and the impression i got kenny is that ronaldo has kind of saved manchester united in this game is is that what happened it is yes uh, and uh, we, we were in uh, quite aside from our scudetto whatsapp group where we uh, secretly exchange messages uh, about what we're going to speak about in episodes. Uh, we're also part of another football group on WhatsApp as well. And I was rubbishing suggestions by commentators after the first United goal that uh, Ronaldo had had saved United. But with the second goal, absolutely, it kind of it's one of those points where uh, you know injury time at the death, and Ronaldo kind of like. It's, it's almost a situation where he's gone, well, if you guys aren't going to sort this out, then I'll take care of it myself. does have to be said that I think there was a very strong shout for a handball in the lead-up to this goal in a match yeah, where there was absolutely. VAR. Uh, but you know what? I mean, for Atalanta, it's a good result. It might be a, it might be a small club thing to say you know to, to to get a point off of united it, it was a good it was a good result gasparini said as much uh i think ronaldo reiterated what you said which is the united were very very lucky uh and i mean it was a, it was a smash and grab job really for for united atalanta should have put the game to bed duvan zapata was absolutely incredible uh ilicic is back to his best which is wonderful to see uh, Coop Miners looks great. Uh, so, I mean, gutting, yeah. gutting, obviously. Uh, not as gutting, perhaps, as the United one where you're 2-0 up uh, away from home. This one, there was never more than one goal in it. Ronaldo saved them, but it came courtesy of what uh, undoubtedly was a handball, which I'm guessing the only reason VAR didn't award it is because there's questions as to whether it was intentionality. So I think the rules now stipulate that if there's an accidental handball in the lead up to a goal that you can't pull it back. But 
this looked to me very clearly like a, a reflex action rather than a um, rather than the ball accidentally hitting his hand. So to me, it looked like yeah. clear handball, and the goal shouldn't have stood. I haven't pulled the rule book out um, since last time I pulled the rule book out on this podcast to check something. <laughs> but I I I think if it directly leads to an assist, it doesn't matter if it's intentional. Perhaps that that maybe that maybe so. If that is the case, then it kind of seems like the it's just the a rules, mistake. which are always revisited, <laughs> need revisiting again. Yeah, I mean, it was um, it was a handball. It wasn't. Yeah, it was it was a handball. It wasn't way. an intention. <laughs> it wasn't a case of the ball hitting an attacking player's arm, and you know the attacking team gaining an advantage out of it, which is what I understood the rule change was to negate. But uh, yeah, yeah, gutting anyway. I mean, it's something yeah. that was quite blatant and should have been picked up by the referee. It shouldn't have needed to, to go to VAR. But yeah. undoubtedly a heroic performance by, by Atalanta, and they're still in it. They, they very yeah. much still are. We've seen the results they pulled out in past seasons, and they, they can do it under gasp. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Obviously, a couple of um, disappointing results against Man United, but you still got a point out of the, the potential six, and then just big games against young boys and Villarreal coming up. I, I'd still be fairly optimistic about Atlanta's chances of qualifying, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the big things that I haven't said yet about the United game was the 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 returns of something resembling Atalanta's first choice uh, defensive line? They've been playing with Martin Darun, who, I mean, all credit to him has been filling in wherever he's been needed. Uh, but they've got Jim um, pa- uh, City back, Palomino's there, Demiral is there, so that that is a positive. They they had a full on injury crisis where they only had one first choice centre back in a team that plays with three centre backs, uh, and that has been the case for the last sort of few games. And now they seem to be over that. So hopefully there are no other uh, injury scares. But I again I would say the same about Atalanta as I would say as I said about Juve that I think they are beginning to get into their groove really and. Uh, Hopefully they don't throw that away against Cagliari this this weekend because that's a match that they really should win comfortably. Yeah, and looks like the league form could be picking up as well. Um, how are you feeling? I know we discussed it kind of briefly when we we're talking about Milan, but um, what, how and Juventus. But how how are you feeling about the prospects of top four, and especially in the context of that kind of last gasp uh, equaliser from uh, Martin Darun against Lazio last weekend? Yeah, I, I mean, that was, I, I think the thing that gets missed when you see that there was a, you know, last minute equaliser is that Atalanta were absolutely piling the pressure on and they had some really, really clear cut chances to, to, to equalise. Uh, they were still in the midst of that injury crisis that I spoke about uh, during the Lazio game. Uh, so I personally just looking at the the fact that Sarri is uh, in his first season at Lazio and that they have not uh, they haven't quite hit any consistency Mourinho the wheels seem to be coming off at Roma for me the last two Champions League spots Inter are obviously very much favorites given that they're so far ahead but Atalanta Inter Juve is going to be very interesting to see who the third and fourth spots go to and I think Atalanta have every chance of uh, of, of doing that it's going to be tough for Juve to um, you know now that Atalanta are in, in their groove to kind of um, to better them let's say yeah it's definitely um, as you said before there's a there's a real kind of exciting race for that fourth spot essentially um, or third and fourth I guess and the third I think say. if, if yeah, Inter yeah. lose against Milan then it, uh, yeah they get dragged into the equation as well. Yeah, um, definitely. Well, I think it's uh, it's probably time that we uh, talk about Tottenham Hotspur on this podcast. I know Boaz has been very much against it. <laughs> it's been a and, while, uh, and and we've we've good reason, given that um, it's not really within our purview. But this week it is um, because the world has been shocked by the news of uh, Antonio Conte being appointed as as the manager. Uh, what was your kind of initial reaction? to it uh, first of all and then maybe I can give you a, a kind of a uh, little bit of insight into the first game 
my initial reaction is that it's an absolutely incredible appointment by Tottenham. We give Antonio Conte a lot of stake, or we have given him a lot of stake, partly because he's a character who opens himself up to uh, kind of <laughs> a little bit of, of ridicule in, you know, I, I, I guess in a, in a respectful way. Can you say that? Can you ridicule someone respectfully? I don't know. Um, but I don't think there's any questions about his credentials as a top coach. And I know that Boaz has repeatedly said, Conte is a winner. Conte is a winner. And he said this before Conte won the league with Inter and Conte went on and won the, won the league with Inter. I think it's an incredible appointment for Tottenham. I am very perplexed as to why Conte, who demands results immediately and who demands the backing of the board immediately, would go to a club with a chairman who is notorious for being, you know, in- loving a bit of brinkmanship and losing out on incredible signings we've spoken about Dybala already and that sounds like that was a bit of a levy special missing out on that deal um, not that long ago a couple of seasons ago but yeah I'm not sure how Conte will will respond to having identified key transfer targets that Levy then tries to bargain for and misses out on (laughs) inevitably it's a recipe for disaster for me I think undoubtedly there will be an improvement Um, I think for Harry Kane you know he he will he'll get him back to his best because we know what he what he does with strikers. We know what he did with Lukaku. I, I said to you, Oscar, that I think that Son Heung-min will be one of the best left backs in the Premier League <laughs> after uh, after Conte's finished with him. Yeah, I, I have to dispute that, but um... <laughs> <laughs> I jest, I jest. It. Yeah, Boaz, you've you've said before that you you think he's a winner. Are you happy that um, Tony Count is uh, relevant again? I mean, maybe not directly relevant to this podcast, but uh, relevant to uh, to football in general. Well, considering I'm uh, I helm uh, keeping up with the Italians, which is our corner about Italians abroad, I'm very happy to see him back, and I'm looking forward to covering a lot of his antics, whether they are positive or negative. I have to say, I was also quite surprised by this appointment. Mostly because he rejected the role in the summer, allegedly. And um, also because he said that he said in the past that he would not take any challenge if there wasn't at least a 1% uh, uh, opportunity to, to win something. And I'm not sure what, what his aspirations, <laughs> what he's going to win with Tottenham. He's, he's not going to go for the league or the Champions League this year, that's for sure. So, so will um, an FA Cup, will a Europa League, will uh, sorry, a Conference League. Will something like this be enough to keep him uh, "quote unquote" satisfied? I think I think the fact that he's making fifteen million a year is uh, will will probably keep him sleeping quite well at night. And I think uh, it's it's very exciting times for Tottenham because it's it's a elite stri- uh, manager. He's uh, someone who just the other week was um, spoken of as a possible replacement for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And um, as we said, he left Italy as a champion. <clears throat> So, for, so for me, it's a it's a really great move for Tottenham, and now, as as you both alluded to, now it's about getting him the players he wants and uh, making sure he has any resources he needs. You mentioned uh, Daniel Levy being a bit of a a bit of a hard uh, owner, hard president to deal with, and it's funny because in one of his first interviews, Antonio Conte said that Daniel Levy was a was a visionary. So uh, I'm not sure what he's what <laughs> what he's seen there or what he was told. But we'll see how we'll see how that plays out. But I'm I'm very excited about this. I have to admit. I think maybe contact when he was talking about uh, Levy being a visionary. Maybe he was talking about the stadium and the training facilities. <laughs> because when he was asked about the squad after the game, he said, "What do you think of the players now you've seen them in action?" I think some the journalist asked him something along those lines. He said, "Well, the stadium's fantastic, and the training facilities are the best in the world." <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> I think definitely okay. the players, are, some of them are in for a bit of a rude awakening. Yeah. Um, when uh, Conte left uh, Juventus, he famously said that the Juventus couldn't win the Champions League because you can't uh, dine in a 100 euro restaurant on 10 euros. And uh, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that uh, being at Spurs is, uh, is a 10 euro meal, but it's definitely not a 100 euro meal yet. It's somewhere in the middle there. So again, I'm interested to see A, where Conte takes them. And also, what, where, how he judges uh, success in this particular uh, outing. For me, it's a lot like when Klopp was uh, announced at uh, Liverpool because it, it's a completely new style of play, and um, it's it's someone who comes in with uh, not just a, a tactic, but also a, an entire mentality, an entire uh, 
ethos and i think uh spurs players will do well with that yeah and i think we've spoken a, a little bit a little bit about them uh already but uh worth noting that uh dibala's contract is up for renewal at the end of this year we all know that vlaovic is on the transfer list uh and we all know that conte and paratici know Serie very very well uh there's been talk about cassie as well so it could be that while we rejoice in it now, we're uh, essentially mourning the loss of uh, some some real superstars in Syria. Dybala has not been rumoured at all, by the way. I'm just throwing that out there at the moment <laughs> as a little bit of a wild card because he nearly went to Spurs a while back. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think there will be some heavy losses to Syria probably after this after this move. Anyway, uh, it's certainly on the first evidence. Um, obviously, I I was attending the game. Uh, last night straight off my European tour and uh, certainly seems like Conte's managed to stamp something of of the style that we saw uh, at at Juve and uh, more recently at Inter and and at Chelsea um, just in the two training sessions which he'd managed to conduct I I mean I think officially it was only one because the first one he didn't have a working visa so he was observing Ryan Mason um, but it cer- certainly seems like he's, um, you know, we we saw the high full backs and the kind of um, yeah. pressing midfield. And did he look nice and relaxed on the sidelines? You know, the, the relaxed Antonio Conte that we know. Yeah, he, w- he was, um, I'd say he was somewhere probably between angry Conte and th- th- there was a, maybe a couple <laughs> of flashes of, of happy Conte as we, we've characterized it in the past but it was definitely mostly angry Conte um, I was actually sat right behind the um, the the technical area of, of Conte uh, I, I sent you guys some pictures of, of him coming out in a suit and he was inc- I mean like Inter fans won't need telling this, but he was incredibly intense. He didn't sit down. He was gesturing constantly. You know, he, he was directing the play sort of very specifically. It was almost like he was uh, trying to like gesture control Sergio Regulon, who's who Spurs is left wing back, and <laughs> um, it, it, he was like st- Regulon was was standing like not quite high enough up the pitch and Conte's screaming at him to get up and then the possession turns over and Conte's screaming at him to get back again um, so <laughs> definitely definitely a change from what the Spurs players are used to and a rude but, awakening yeah a rude awakening uh, as I said but I, I think some players will really respond to that and uh, I noticed Harry Kane as soon as he managed because the way the game went Sergio Romero who obviously uh, Serie A fans will know well, got a rash second yellow um, and and Spurs were down a, a man for a little while, but Harry Kane very cleverly managed to get one of the Vitesse centre-backs sent off and he ran straight over to Conte for instruction. Uh, so it looks like he's he's demanding kind of respect, which maybe Nuno couldn't already in, in that department, which is very, very interesting to see. And obviously as a Tottenham fan, uh, very heartwarming. <laughs> But yeah, I guess we'll have to have to see how that goes. It's uh, it's exciting for Premier League Premier League fans to see Conte back. Yeah, I mean, I said it earlier one one of the best managers in the world. So yeah, I, I imagine he'll be facing uh, Jose Mourinho's um, Roma in the final of the Europa Conference League, and I'd give them at least one <laughs> percent chance of winning that. Buzz. Jose Mourinho's side are not making the final of this competition. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no, I mean, that, maybe that's not comment. on current evidence. Um, and we should do a quick a roundup of of what else is going on in the in the best of the rest. Um, Empoli Genoa, I think, is still ongoing. And do we have a result in that one yet? I finished finished two two. Obviously, Empoli Empoli were leading in that game actually, so slightly disappointing from them. Elsewhere, there there's a few other games that we haven't mentioned. Spezia Torino is tomorrow. And then uh, there are six games on Sunday, actually. Venezia, Roma, San Bologna, Udinese, Sassuolo, Napoli, Verona, Lazio, Salernitana, and then obviously uh, the Milan derby later on. Um, Mohamedi Hatteran is apparently considering retirement aged 19. Um, if You may remember that uh, this guy signed from uh, PSV to Juventus in the summer and was immediately sent out on loan to Sampdoria. He allegedly showed up about five kilos overweight and 
was sent back to Rotterdam to uh, rehabilitate and he's not been heard or, or seen since. Um, and the rumors coming out of Holland are that he's, uh, he's considering retiring because he, he's suffering from depression. So um, not, the, not the best story and hope, hopefully he comes out of it because he's supposed to be a great talent and he's a very good in football manager. <laughs> we need this is the gong that we need for um Burs's mentions <laughs> his football manager account um but other other news invest to the rest uh inter have renewed nicholas stretcher's contract who's that nicola varela <laughs> varela okay just you've just put the, these uh english translations in to troll me this is a bit of a ron burgundy moment yeah <laughs> it's a bit of a Ron Burgundy. I knew there would be like an English translation, but oh, with my lack of language skills, I had no idea what it was. This comes off the heel of of them signing uh, Lautaro on a long term contract, and also um, Alex Sticks signing a contract back in May. Alex Stick being Alessandro Bastoni, just for for Oscar's benefit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we should also say Italy have announced an extended squad for the uh, crucial. World Cup qualifiers that are coming up. So that, how many people is that that they've announced? Uh, uh, Mancini announced a 28th squad for the, these two games. Presumably, like some players will be dropped in the build-up. There's some interesting selections. Good stuff. Um, and on that note, let's, let's go to keeping up with the Italians. Baez, we've already uh, stolen your main talking point uh, about Antonio Conte. Um, but maybe you can tell us about your favorite goalkeeper. So first of all, um, you may have heard that Antonio Conte has uh, signed on for Spurs. Uh, <laughs> next up, Gigi Donnarumma saved his 16th career penalty against Leipzig and also conceded two goals in that match. But uh, at 22 years of age, that's, that's incredible going. And uh, Cristiano Piccinini, who last year you may remember was on loan at uh, Atalanta but hardly got a game, has finally played his first minutes of the season for Valencia. He's had a horrible uh, injury spell, so it's good to see him back on the pitch. This guy called Stefano Napoleoni, who's uh, scored a 95th minute winner in Turkey for Umria in Spor. This guy may not be familiar to uh, Serie A fans because he's played most of his career abroad. And I found out that he was the first Italian player ever to play in, in Poland in 2008. So good on him. And lastly, uh, leaving the huge, the biggest league for last, uh, the Maltese Bov Premier League handed out the Coach of the Month award for the first time ever. And uh, Stefano Sandera of Hibernians was the first manager to ever take it. So kudos to him. Thanks for that, Boaz. Let's head straight into the honorables and dishonorables section. And let's kick off with the classic goals honorable, Kenny. Okay, sure. Yeah. Uh, So I, I was... Very tempted to give my goals honourable to Zapata, Dovan Zapata, for his goal against Manchester United. Just the, like the balance, the composure, uh, the footwork to kind of finish that off was was sensational. But I, I feel like I have to give it to Simeone for his second goal against Juve, really. Uh, I mean, the guy can't stop scoring, uh, but simply the importance of the goal for starters uh, for Verona to get to get that win against Juve what proved to be the winning goal but also I mean the goal itself was uh, an absolutely glorious uh, glorious finish uh, it cuts inside probably isn't closed down because absolutely nobody thinks that he's a threat from where he is and just lifts the ball from what must be all of about 25 yards possibly possibly further uh, over Chesney into the top corner. Uh, just yeah, just a wonderful, wonderful technique, wonderful long range effort. So Simeone is getting my goals honourable this week. Yeah, it's a lovely goal. Definitely uh, check it out on YouTube. And can I just add on Simeone that I, I feel sorry for the guy, so he deserves an honourable because every game he plays, he's always asked about his dad. Oh, you scored against Juventus. That your dad played for Inter, you must hate them. Oh, you scored against uh, Lazio. That's your dad's old team. How do you feel about that? I'm sure he wants to be his own person. He's bored with this. Well, now he's got his own honourable. So yeah, exactly. And uh, Boaz has just mentioned his dad in it, so it's taken that away from him as well. Um, I did it too. I'm as guilty as everyone. <laughs> um, Boaz, you wanted to give an honourable to a former Inter drunkard. This one is a slight tenuous link to say, yeah, but I'm going all in with it. 
Um, you may have seen that Donny van der Beek uh, announced that uh, his wife uh, was pregnant and uh, his wife be- is uh, Dennis Bergkamp's daughter. So that's already like a, a kind of a Serie A link there. But anyway, I'm giving an honorable to uh, Andy van der Meide who uh, <laughs> commented on on this announcement that they were pregnant asking if they're going to call their kid Ole Gunnar. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. Um, but I'm going to steal your social media honourable this week and I'm going to give it to Victor Ossimen. Although I have to admit I don't understand most of what he posts. I just enjoy the energy because there was some guy had uh, tweeted a response to one of the memes that he posted saying that, oh, Victor, you need to hire like a PR guy, like look at other professionals that are around your age and look like look at Mbappe and look look at how they they use social media much more responsibly than you and uh Ossiman had just quote tweeted this and replied to it with some Zuma meme which I didn't really understand but I just thought it was very funny and and if you you just look through his Twitter feed he's just basically just trolling people uh so it's a definite honorable from me um just to to switch tack entirely Kenny um this is it's not your goals honourable, but it, it's an honourable for no, a lot of goals. No, absolutely, it's not a goals honourable. It's a record uh, honourable. <laughs> it's for uh, Dybala becoming Juve's most prolific uh, non-Italian with uh, 106 goals. And I take any excuse to, to give Dybala an honourable mention. So honourable mention, Paolo Dybala. My mission is to get you to uh, to be the most, the most honoured on Scudetto by the end of the season. And he yeah. overtook uh, Michel Platini in, in this uh, record and then celebrated by doing the Michel Platini celebration. So I especially like that. Yeah. Um, while we're on Argentinians, I wanted to, to give an honourable to uh, Matthias Saula, who is uh, a Serie Che player who's been called up by Argentina. He's on loan from Juventus and uh, maybe possibly um, he was playing against Sutirol last weekend and now he's going to be training with Messi and co. So I'm guessing uh, the Argentinian coach might have uh, gotten a bit confused and uh, called up the wrong player or something. <laughs> it's, uh, it's certainly possible. Um, but it's an honourable for now, at least. Um, and Kenny, uh, Arturo Vidal has uh, earned your, earned an honourable from, from you this week for his, uh, his choice of transportation. It's kind of it's kind of a social media uh, honorable, but I, I think he I think he shared on social media his his array of supercars with a Fiat Panda in the middle, and obviously responded to people's reaction to this by turning up at training in his in his Panda, but he did it in style. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen a top flight top flight player arrive at like training or a match in the in their own car if you manage to find your way into a player's car park. But quite often they turn up in these supercars and they get out of the the, the driver's seat and then they've got some guy sitting next to them, an, an assistant or what whatever, who parks the car. I'm not sure if it's because they're unable to park the car or if it's because they're too important to park the car. But anyway, Vidal turned up in this panda with music blaring out of it. And uh, proceeds to get out of the car as if he's like some, well, I mean, he is a celebrity, I guess, but <laughs> proceeds to get out of a Fiat Panda like he's a big shot. And uh, his his assistant comes round and like gets into the driver's seat and parks it. So just, I mean, just great. I mean, I don't, I don't need to tell you why it's an honourable. It's just uh, tremendous. Slam yeah. dunk honourable. It is fantastic. And the way he drives in, it it does look like he just doesn't know how to park it because uh, he just stops it across about three spaces, I think, <laughs> before the guy uh, repositions it for him. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, but yeah. Um, so uh, we, we've got a, another honourable for a Nicholas Stretcher, uh, Bias. Yeah, I, we spoke about the Inter's convincing win against Sheriff earlier, but what we didn't mention was that uh, in the occasion of uh, Brozovic's first goal, uh, Barella somehow found himself in the way and the most natural reaction that he found to, was uh, appropriate was he dived out of the way as if he was being shot. Um, it's fantastic. <laughs> I, I really recommend looking at, looking for it because it's really like a bullet time header and he, he, he jumped into like a puddle as well. So extra points yeah. for me. 
It's like, Klinsman. it's like a scene from the Matrix or something like that. Highly. Or completely <laughs> unnecessary. <laughs> um, we've got a couple more records to give honourables for. I, I will give one to uh, begrudgingly to Immobile of Lazio becoming their all-time record scorer in just five years. And Kenny, you've got one for Bellotti. Yeah, Bellotti reaching 100 City A goals. We give him a bit of stick for how he he performs or does not perform uh, for the Azzurri. But uh, undoubtedly in City A, Bellotti is uh, a weapon and yeah, reached 100 City A goals. So honourable for that. Yeah, and uh, Baz, we've talked already about uh, Bodo Glimt and uh, how incredible they are as a club. Um, but you wanted to, to give, just give the, their fans a special mention for the, the trip that they undertook to watch that draw. In Rome. Yeah, after, considering they had a 8-2 aggregate victory against Roma. Um, sorry, 8-3, was it? But uh, in any case, uh, the fans traveled 2,800 kilometers to Rome, some of them without their shirts on, because I guess the Rome weather in November, October isn't as bad as the North Pole weather they're used to. But uh, to put that into context, <laughs> that's about uh, 4% of the entire population of this, this Bodo Glim place. So that's quite impressive. Did they travel oh, the whole journey with no tops on? I don't know about that, but I know they had a, p- a special poster that said 6-1 on it, just in case uh, the Roma fans didn't remember and Kenny, you seem to have snuck another goals honourable in here. It's uh, for a goal machine, but yeah. Well, I mean, for the impact that Tudors had at, uh, at Verona, uh, they have scored twenty-one goals since he joined, and that places them second in Europe, only behind the uh, free-scoring Bayern Munich. So. I think credit where it's due. We like to we like to talk about Juric uh, at Torino because uh, obviously that was the move that everyone was uh, you know getting uh, excited about this summer in terms of the you know away from the top of the league. But uh, I think the job that he's done at Verona has been sensational, and the fact that they're scoring so many goals as well can only be good for Serie. A. Yeah, well deserved indeed. And uh, Baz, you're going to finish us off with this one. Uh, we said when Ronaldo left that we wouldn't give him any more honourables, so this one has to be for Gasparini. Yeah, Gasparini already set the scene when before the game he said that uh, he was really sad that Ronaldo had left Serie A and that maybe Atalanta would have conceded two or three more goals in the season, but the, overall the league would have been better off. But um Essentially, uh, when interviewed post-game, he he asked uh, uh, Ronaldo if he still knew how to save a fanculo in uh, Italian and, <laughs> and proceeded to tell him that. So, uh, all in good spirit, but but still, great stuff from Gasp. Yeah, that is fantastic and uh, a great place to end this episode. Um, it's been been great to be back, guys, and um, sorry to, to our listeners for my extended period of absence. Hopefully... Um, I can uh, earn my place in the starting lineup again next week. And we will be back, at least some of us, next week um, to, to, to discuss all of the action. But yeah, if you don't already, please do subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio. You can tell that I'm rusty. I've just forgotten what I say at the end of the podcast. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll speak to you then. Uh, until then, enjoy the football. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.